0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The passion for the world's beautiful game has never been stronger. And now there is one place to get all your insight, analysis, and hot topic discussion. Especially if you're a fan of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy, or their heated rival, LAFC. It's time to roll out the ball and kick things off here on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, here are your hosts former MLS goalkeeper Dan Kennedy, and soccer broadcast veteran Mark Rogandino. What a week was Dan Kennedy in Major League Soccer, all sorts of twists and turns. I love it when I get a text message from you, brother, that says, crazy scores this weekend in major league soccer uh yes indeed that was the case we're here on believe sports podcast network that's where you find us each and every week former mls goalkeeper my man dan kennedy and my name is mark rogan dina what up
1: dk rogo listen dude this was one of those it was just one of those mls weeks it's like this is the mls special when you go out and you're like, look, and you go, okay, Atlanta at home to Columbus, no problem. Atlanta will win. Nope, Columbus, 3-1. Uh, Montreal hosting Cincinnati. Okay, Montreal, they maybe have a chance to get in the playoffs. They'll win. Cincy sucks. Nope, Cincy, one nothing. Orlando, New England, 3-3 thriller. I mean, we, we know the Philly LAFC 1-1. That I, really not a surprise to me, Rogues. um, This Philly is crappy, man. draw. And and that said, like the LAFC, they can get a little they can get a little punch drunk early in the game. And if a team has a good start against them, it, it kind of rattles them. So it's almost like the approach when you're playing LAFC should be really try to really high pressure the ball, squeeze them, maybe create a couple opportunities, and then back off once the game settles down. I would
0: agree because when they play from ahead, right? When they score first, they are a completely different team, and it almost seems to build momentum, build confidence, and all of a sudden, then they can hit you for two or three. Right? But you're right. When they get hit early, as they did in this game against Philadelphia, and and I don't know if you saw uh, saw the goal, but um, yeah. Oh, I did I don't. I I, I don't know, man. I mean. The, the goalkeeping position is going to be in question for this team for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, this is the slippery slope once um, when a goal. Go, if you play enough games, you're going to have bad performances. Right. right. And yeah. Tyler Miller goes away for the Gold Cup, um, doesn't play for a month, but he's training at a high level. He should come back really confident. Um, And is he, he training back-
0: at a high level there?
1: Yeah, he's training if, out. Well, if you're yeah, if you're if you're fair. one of three if it's you're better, one of three guys, it's, it's better to get games. To your point, right? It, and you're with a
0: different goalkeeper coach, not the guy that puts you through and knows
1: you and knows right. what to what to put you through. But I will say, it's a the confidence you should have when you come back from the national team. Your chest should be just puffed up. You 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 should feel like, okay, I'm I'm back, boys. Let's get going. You know, it shouldn't be. Uh, there, there should be no hesitation, and that's what we saw when he came back. There was a, a couple up and downs. Um, we talked early on about, oh, uh, wait, hold on a second here. Is, uh, is his position in question? And then he gets benched for a game. Um, fortunately for him the the injuries happen and he's back in the lineup and then he puts together a a couple decent performances and he struggles against the galaxy struggles against uh philly a little bit and that's the alarming thing is that in the big games he's having a hard time
0: and i think i think uh and it's ultimately obviously up to bob and his staff and and zach abdel who who coaches the goalkeepers there uh at at LFC. love him um but the thing is is Tyler didn't lose against the galaxy, right? He had a five-match run where he won four or five games, tied the other one against the galaxy, had three shutouts during that run, and I actually thought, oh my gosh, you know, he's solidified this. This is this is gonna be his spot. And then Bob makes the switch and puts Cisniega in against Minnesota. It turns out to be their first home loss. Right. I just I I I never saw that coming. I never saw that coming. I I we've talked about it here, Dan. Yes, he wasn't great in the in the in the um in the game against the Galaxy, but you still didn't lose.
1: But this so, is and, and this is one thing that you know, Bruce has always done well. Is he once he makes a decision, he sticks with it. And I I was on I arrived in LA thinking that was me and then I got I had injury problems, so it became Brian But it's a it's a position of stability for goalkeepers to perform at their best. They can't have this cloud in the back of their head that's questioning their position. Zero doubt. Right. Zero, zero doubt. So that to me, it's one thing to have guys fighting for a job. It's another thing for guys to be scared to lose their job. And that's right now, I think Tyler's in that in that position where he's just a little bit scared. I look at the goal against Philly. He, he doesn't need to be so strong on the near post when the ball gets played down the line. He should be at the middle of the goal already. What that, what that makes him do is shuffle across, and his momentum's going the wrong way. If he was in the right position, he'd have been standing set in the middle of the goal, and he would have been able to react back. You remember the save Stephen Fry made in the MLS Cup uh, final? Where he was, the ball gets played in. Stefan was in a in a good position, a good starting position, it allowed him to explode to his left. He made that amazing save that ended up winning the game for Seattle. Um, these little details of of positioning, um, that's something Zach Abdel will pick up on.
0: Uh. LAFC does respond, though, DK, and it comes through Carlos Vela, who gets number 28 on the season. Uh, We'll talk about the guys that are nipping at his heels right now to try and catch him uh, for the leader in goals in Major League Soccer. But Vela back after missing a couple of games with a hamstring strain. He immediately produces uh, with the goal right before halftime. 1-1 is how he makes it. That's eventually how it finishes. But I think the good and even, even better news out of all this is, is Vela plays 65, 64 minutes and he comes out of it smiling. He probably could have kept going, but in, in big picture terms, they took him off. No repercussions and no worries about that hamstring. And that's great news for LAFC.
1: Yeah, I think they over rested him. I think they were over cautious uh, just to be um, just to know where they're at in the in the season. And it's just not it's just not worth it. Um. Throughout this game, and when I look at it, Philly's one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, more because of they're just scrappy and committed and organized than a bunch of quality players like LAFC. LAFC owned this game; like they 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 probably should have won, to be fair. Um, and it just shows you though, like these teams that they're going to come up against with confidence and determination late in the season uh, is going to make things hard on LAFC and so you're, you're you're to your point like damn right you need this carlos vela
0: so before we move on and talk about a thrashing that the <laughs> galaxy gave to sporting kansas city Scored let a me touchdown. run down a, let me run down a yeah exactly Uh, Let me run down a couple of things that we're going to hit here uh, on the pod this week in addition to taking a look at the games from the past weekend and looking ahead at the fixtures on the weekend. Obviously, uh, I've got a couple of hot topics I want to hit Dan with. We are efforting to have a guest join us in just a little bit here. And then we're also going to get to our picks, of course, which are uh, presented by mybookie.ag. Right, Danny? Hey, let's do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because as we know, nobody gives you more way to win than they do. I mean, I'm telling you, if you're going to bet on some games, whether it's the football games or the football games, you want to go to mybookie.ag. Plus, they're giving you some free money if you use the promo code GALAXY. So, we'll get to those. And by the way, uh, Danny made up a little bit of ground. Danny boy made up a little bit of ground with his picks this past weekend. Could this be a turning point, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) Uh, Because I'm already tasting that dinner at Javier (laughs) with my wife and Steph and you. Um, I'm already just kind of feeling those margins Salivating. Salivating. Food going down. All right. Uh, back at home for the Galaxy, back at Dignity Health Sports Park. And I can't figure this Galaxy team out. Honestly, I cannot. They, this is a team that can lose twice to Colorado in this season. They they lost to a New England team that wasn't the revolution that they are now. And then they turn around and hand a touchdown to Sporting Kansas City. Peter Vermes was – I love the cutaways of Vermes on the sideline oh, and just how I ticked he's gonna off it was. His, and I thought food. he was
1: going to rip his suit off. Oh,
0: and for good reason. But a 7-2 game, they just – let's be fair. Sporting Kansas City had been surging in the right direction, Dan. But all of a sudden, they just quit when the score started to get out of hand. They, that,
1: that's, that's exactly right. They quit. This, this – okay. So I was texting Tim Emilia after the I game. I was going
0: to say, poor Tim this, Emilia. This,
1: this is my guy, you know. And and he's such a good goalkeeper. And he's he's so steady. Like he doesn't – he he he's he's actually mentally v- a very strong goalkeeper. Like he doesn't let the the ups and downs get to him, and that and that takes time and experience in, in in my mind. Um, and I just texted him. I said, you know what, man? Probably the biggest mistake Peter Vermees ever made was letting Nico Pargo go. And watching this team, you know, they're in desperate need of a complimentary center back to Beesler. I think Zuzi okay. does fine on the on the right side. This Luis Mar- Martins. He, number thirty six, the left back, absolute freaking joke. This guy should never play another game in Major League Soccer after the performance that I saw. Because you you talk about giving up, he was he was walking when they were down five nothing. As players were trying to track back into the box, and then Ily Sanchez, he, he's just he, he's a great player, but you have to have pace around him, and they don't they don't have pace in midfield. And they brought Fellhyber back. Doesn't matter he's he's a step slow um and so they don't they don't have anyone in midfield that can that can hawk someone down they have the mismatch at center back they don't have a left back it was a it was a disaster for them and they started off great right alarm bells ringing up one nothing and i'm like oh god here we go again with the galaxy just the game they have to win they can't sort it out and uh we talked about this but jonah dos santos man if he's on the field this team ticks He, I thought that was, their be-
0: that was their best 11, though, by the way. That, what they put out for that game, for me, is their best 11.
1: Yeah, actually, I, I think you're probably right. I, Dave Romney at left back over Shelvick is a better defensive decision. Um, and Sebastian Legette and, and Jonah Dos Santos can, can help this team control the ball. And with players like Antuna... And Pavon and Ibra um, looking for the ball at their feet. It's hard to play this direct style. And they don't have the midfield to go win second knockdown balls. So they have to control it. The only way they control it, Jonah Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette on the field um, and and Rose. I mean, it just to me, it feels like this this LAFC team some way or another is going to have to get through the galaxy in the playoffs if they want to go win something.
0: Mm, mm, mm. You said it from you said it first. Uh, And, you know, the crazy thing is, is if the Galaxy, by virtue of LAFC winning the top spot in the West, right, they get that first round by. If the Galaxy finishes fourth or fifth in the standings, it's that game, the winner of that game (laughs) that will travel the Bank of California Stadium in the second round of the playoffs, the conference semifinal to take on LAFC. So, like, as as of right now, as of right now, that game would be the Galaxy at Real Salt Lake for the right to go to Bank of California Stadium
1: for the second round. And that's and either, unbelievable. Right. And either one of those games is kryptonite, right? Because if it's Salt Lake that gets through, it's uh, oh, what happened last year. And if it's Galaxy that that gets through, it's uh uh-oh, we've never beat this team before and they're just our kryptonite. So um yeah, it, it's uh, get your, get 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 your popcorn ready. I, I yeah I would I would say as of right now
0: LAFC would say let's go real salt lake let's yeah. go real salt lake
1: you know <laughs> yeah I I would I would I would agree with that it just feels like they would have less to lose um, what is it uh, – and along
0: the lines with figuring out, Dan, this this LA Galaxy team, it's also figuring out Zlatan Ibrahimović, right? When he turns it on, he's like almost unstoppable, hence mm-hmm. the three goals in the game, and now he's got 26 on the year. He's only two behind Carlos Vela, and now all of a sudden there's this, this discussion of, well, maybe Zlatan's going to break Joseph right. Martinez's record.
1: right. Well and I, I to be honest like, I hope they both do. Um and I Yeah, that would, yeah, would be magnificent, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Ebra's I mean he, he this is him. He's a hot or cold player and and 80% of the time he's hot. Um and you know the, those games that have that lack a little bit of atmosphere, lack a little bit of quality, um he he kind of uh, falls falls asleep a little bit and an example is the Colorado games. Um, but stub or I call it stub hub center still Home Depot. No, not Home Depot center. Yep. Dignity health sports park was, was (laughs) rocking, right? It was rocking and they got, they had, they were down one, nothing They get the goal. They get some momentum. And then once it gets rocking, man, Ebra is buzzing. And so it, for me, if he's, if he's buzzing in the game, he can go get goals. Well, I think with, with, with the few games that are left him knowing what's on the line from a playoff perspective, from itching to, to, to beat out Vela and, and the goal-scoring uh, record, this guy should be buzzing the rest of the season.
0: Uh, and what it all adds up to, all of these results we're talking about for LAFC and the LA Galaxy, is just as we predicted weeks and weeks ago, DK, all of a sudden, for the first time in a long time, FC Dallas has fallen out of the top yeah, seven. Yeah, just, just watch. Port, Portland has moved in, the Galaxy have moved up, and SC Dallas for the first time, I think probably in at least maybe three months has dropped out of the top seven. And that's the team I, that both you, I'm I, sure. both you and I, both you and I, I don't think
1: that they will be in there when, they, when it's all said and done. I, I'm actually not sure they've ever been out of the top seven. Um, and, and when I, the, the crazy thing here is Portland maintains their, their position after a home loss to, uh, to DC United. Um, and, in Dallas now, taking one taking one on the on the chin over the weekend. I think that that rattles them them more than anything. And this is when, you know, if you got a young team like Jesse Marsh had with the Red Bulls a few years back, they created so much space on the top end of the uh, of the uh, of of the rankings that they they put themselves um, out of the position to to worry about. Oh, are we going to make the playoffs? or not and this dallas team just doesn't they they don't have they don't have the same spread and um well i don't think i just don't think things get any easier for them. i mean geez you go to chicago i mean chicago is a a poor um poor team and it's not particularly a hard place to play right did you you see
0: the shots of what
1: the crowd looks like yeah Yes. Oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. Brutal. And now you're Dallas and you have to go to Seattle and Seattle's itching. You know, they're they're a good team, too. They're second place. They're just trying to secure everything, make sure they get the highest the highest bid. Um. So, yeah, this is uh, I, I would say that this is what I would expect the top seven to look like in the Western Conference as it sits today. Uh-huh.
0: Shifting gears quickly before we bring uh, a special guest onto the Belief Sports Podcast Network here. I don't know if you have like a spy camera in my little studio that I've got working here today. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned Jesse March and his time at uh, New York Red Bull. And I have his name written down here on my notes in preparation for getting on here with what you a legend today.
1: This guy
0: is. Because I wanted to hit on that very quickly. The uh, first ever American coach to lead a team into the group stages of the UEFA Champions League. Uh, Jesse gets the 6-2 win for his Red Bull Salzburg team against the Belgian side gank. I mean, I, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, I would assume you guys crossed paths briefly at the end of his career and early in yours, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We played together for two years in Chivas USA. Chivas USA. He was a team captain, and he just... He's that guy, man. He's a, he's a guy you want to follow. Um, to Don't be, tell me I canon. can't do. It. Don't tell me I can't do. Yeah, and he and he was never the best player on the field, but um, he was he's you know, and this is a, a unfair comparison, but he he was uh, the American uh, Roy Keane in a way, where Roy Keane like he he should have never had the career he had with the skill set that was at his disposal. Um, But with with how committed he was, with how intelligent he was as a player and his ability to lead men, um, it allowed him to go for the biggest club in the world at the time and lead them to championships. And Jesse was probably the key ingredient to Bob's Bob Bradley's success at Chivas USA was bringing Jesse in to help move the players in the right direction. Uh, No surprise. I actually sent him an email yesterday and I said, "This this is just no surprise to me. That that this is what's happening in his coaching career. I mean, it's just who he is. And the success is going to continue because it, it's, it's who it, it is. What makes him tick um, is motivating young guys, getting them to the buy in. And then he loves this high pressure system that disrupts teams.
0: Yeah, it's always, um, you know, I've had the pleasure of of covering Jesse for many years, first when he was in Chicago and then made his way to be, he was the captain of Chivas USA, and then even when he got into the coaching ranks, uh, the opportunity, is, as you know, Dan, we get that chance to sit down with the coaches when we're part of the Fox broadcast and, and talk to them and, He's one of those guys, though, if you have that rapport with him, he would certainly open up and tell you things. Oh, that yeah. He maybe so maybe good. Cer- certain coaches would hold those cards close to your chest. But he was not he was not fearful of that because he knew that, hey, if you're going to beat my team, you're going to have to do it with everything that you got to beat my team on on any given day because I put my team in the best positions to win.
1: Yeah, he we I, I had the same experience uh, after playing with him and then playing against him as a coach. Um, and then I interviewed him for Fox for, for, uh, one of the games we were covering. Actually, it was New York, uh, Red Bull versus NYCFC. And he is just a op- open book talking about how quickly they're going to try to pressure. And then when they win the ball, they want to attack as fast as possible. And he was joking, but he was saying, you know, all we're trying to do is win the ball as fast as we can, and then turn the ball back over as fast as we can. <laughs> <laughs> and just so re- a uh, make the game hectic. So a nice tip of the cap for uh,
0: Red Bull Red Bull Salzburg head coach uh, Jesse March, and uh, we will continue to watch that journey as it unfolds. With that, Dan, we turn in another direction, and uh, time to bring in a special guest. It's been a while since we've had someone on, and uh, what better way to do it than in this crucial stretch run in Major League Soccer. You never know who might stop by here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network, and this week uh, we're going in a little bit of a different direction, but I guarantee you the content is going to be just as hot and uh, and some great takes. It's Executive Vice President of Brand and Community with LAFC, um, Rich Orozco joining us here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Rich, thanks for taking a little bit of time with us, Dan Kennedy, Mark Rogandino, and uh, the thousands of listeners out there. Boy, hey, LAFC have been so good on the field, but I tell you what, it's equally as hot
2: and successful off the field, and you have a huge part in that role. Th- thanks, Mark, and uh, at LAFC Rich, for all the big fans out there the black and gold.
0: <laughs> Mark it down. <laughs> and,
2: we'll, and we'll keep it hot, like, like, uh, like we talked uh, before. We'll, we'll keep this uh, conversation hot for sure. Thanks you for know, having I- me.
0: I think one of the one of the great things about your role in laFC is the culture. and I and when people ask me about wow. the culture and how it's been able to come about so quickly, I always have to bring up your name because you were a huge part of that process. Maybe just take us back to even before the team ever even stepped out for an MLS game, how you got that ball rolling and so quickly.
2: Yeah. so uh, I think number one, those of us who were there early in a small huddle, The challenge we had, uh, number one, launch a new sports team in LA in a now 10 team professional market and not even including USC, UCLA and college athletics in the same sport as a five time champion down the street in the same sport as a failed franchise. And I'll tell you guys, you know, good luck. Yeah. So that was the, that was the uh, Herculean task thrown at us. I, I, say a lot that it was a mission impossible because it really was. There was no map to it. There was nobody we can call to say, how do we do this? You, you couldn't call the other teams in LA and ask them how they did it. Um, we had to find our, a very unique identity. And uh, the simple version that we can, we can keep talking about is just the, the focus on one by one. You know, I, my, one of my favorite stories is there's a gentleman named uh, Lord Commander, and uh, R- Richard walked into our office one day when before our colors, before our crest, and he had a skull on a stick as he walked in. And, <laughs> That's quite you funny. know, it, yeah, so, you know, Dan, Dan, if somebody walked into your office, you know, before you had anything with a skull and a stick, what would be your reaction?
1: Well, I'd probably be a little bit taken back. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs>
1: but but, but you I'd know, also, so, but I would also listen.
2: This guy's hardcore. Yeah, that, that's exactly it, Mark. So we, the headspace was, man, like you got fire, you have passion, you have personality, you have, you're all about being self-expressed. Like, what are you about, uh, Lord Commander? And your name is Lord Commander. So what are you about? And it was that um, headspace of not judging people from day one. And it was about, you're passionate about football, you're passionate about LA, we need more of you. You know, we want you in. And let's, co-create together. A lot of our language early was co-creation and building together. And we meant it. It wasn't a marketing slogan. It wasn't fake. We were all about feedback and design workshops. And what do you guys want in a football club? And if you're patient with those one-by-one conversations, it you multiply. The community multiplies on its own because the word gets out that we have something new brewing and we could all create it together to make it work for us. So it was that extreme one by one approach of hugging anybody who walked in the door, who was open to a conversation to build something new and build it together. And it also kept the entire group accountable. You know, if, if, uh, if we're all breaking bread together and dreaming big about building a club, you know, we all have to deliver We all have to do our part. So that co-creation also creates accountability within a community. And now it's go time. You know, Dan, where are your buddies at? Mark, where are your buddies at? Like, let's do this. You guys want to do this with us? Like, you're in. Let's go. So um, that was that's the simple version.
0: I, I know Dan has has some questions that he wants to jump on, too. But I think along that lines, I can't I can't not ask you this because Dan played for Chivas USA. And I think the misnomer is a lot of people think that immediately L.A.F.C.'s fan base and the culture was Formed by people that were part of Chivas USA and didn't want to support the Galaxy, the other team across town. But that's not really a big piece of the pie, is it, Rich?
1: Yeah, it's well, that was so that was oh, Rich. Sorry to interject here, but that wasn't a big yeah. piece of the pie anywhere. <laughs> I mean, the the one thing yeah. I, I, the one thing I would say <laughs> is that there was a there was a small group of a couple thousand folks that would come out and support. And they those were the ones that were actually probably let down the most by the organization, not the players, not the coaches, maybe some of the folks that put in time in the front office and worked there. But it was those it was that small group of fans. And I those those were probably some of the first people. And correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, that walked, that walked into your office and wanted this for L.A. and maybe were, were your early boots on the ground.
2: Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way to frame it. Number one, the people who knew the Chivas USA days knew that they never had a fan base like LAFC. So just that math alone doesn't translate. Uh, and the of the early groups, we had five original supporter groups who met us early. Two, two of the groups, uh, their leaders were former Chivas USA supporters. And what's interesting now is um, one was called – there's two groups now, District 9 Ultras and Black Army with Chivas USA Roots. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is if you talk to leadership right now of their membership base, of that specific group, there's a 10% of of that group actually followed Chivas USA. So they have not been able – they didn't grow with Chivas USA former fans. They grew – with new L.A.F.C. and new football supporters who wanted to be under their leadership about football culture, right. so they were about football culture first. Um, their analogy is that they were a they were a widower, which is a really interesting way to look at it. And you're <laughs> right, they were extremely disappointed by the former ownership, but for the for the folks who came out of the Chivas USA ashes, like they were recharged of building something that they always wanted, and then they were able to attract new friends. To a to a new vision and a new club. So you you are correct. The the folks who use that as as a, a stain in our history, it's, it's not that, and mathematically, it's not that. Um, it was leaders from who came from there, and then we have three other groups of the original five who were brand
1: new LAFC, and and then we've we've grown from there. Rich, I gotta I gotta ask you. So you, so you make this you get this job, you make this jump, and you're maybe a couple of weeks out before your first opening game, what, what are you, what, what's in your head and, and like, what, what was yeah. your expectation? And now, you know, fast forward a season and, and three quarters and, and compare that to reality. Sure. So in May of, I believe it was
2: 2017 was the day that the 3252 officially named themselves and we had an event in the arts district, and um, almost a thousand people showed up. And the photography and the imagery from that day, the smiles, the joy, the fists in the air, we knew on the inside, we knew it was happening. We we knew we won in the streets before we kicked the ball. So that first match, when the entire North End was full, I, I would say it was glorious. And it was glorious because Everybody who doubted that we could do this, we, not me, not just our staff, all the supporters, all the fans, all the early season ticket members, the LFC originals who were the first 10,000 deposits, all of us proved everyone wrong that there was there was room right. for a new club in L.A. and there was room for football culture to get even bigger. So for us, and, I, and I've said this before a lot, you know, our fans showed up on game one. It didn't take six months. It didn't take two years. We've gotten better in season two. Mm -hmm. We're more organized. We are more cohesive. We are more united. So what I'm really excited about is our future. And I think we, we dreamed big just to get to that game one and see that stadium packed. And I can't imagine what, you know, the end of season two is going to feel like and then kicking off into season three. I think we haven't even hit the tipping point of what we can become.
1: Well, and then exactly. how, how how does it get better, Rich? I mean, yeah, winning an MLS Cup, winning a, a U.S. Open Cup, uh, in my mind is is going to be the feather in the cap. But I I've it, in last season and this season um, have come to the stadium, have experienced the game as a fan, I've experienced the game as a commentator, um, and I I've just been amazed at the uh, the the commitment, the reception, and the fan experience. Uh, that you guys have been able to um, muster up. I mean, it's certainly unique, uh, but give me a sense of how you think this can get better. Sure, sure. Um, My analogy right now is I think
2: of the Lakers Showtime era. I believe that was the late 80s, right? Yep.
0: Mid to late 80s, yeah.
2: Yeah, so that was that window that they had where they became – a, a cultural icon of the city. It was more than what happened on the court. It was a sense of pride for the entire community. It was a sense of pride when you traveled overseas. Um, the Dodgers uh, have attained that, you know, cultural icon status in the city. When you wear that Dodger cap, you may not, may or may not be a Dodger fan, but it's an aspirational symbol that represents the city. Uh, the, the, that's, that's what we aspire to be. I believe there's a point in the future coming up. If the community stays united, if the fan base stays inclusive and joyous and inviting, I think there's a point coming up where you're going to see that cap grow and grow and grow and be all over the world. And people are going to identify the cap with the city, city first, you know, the, the, the best sports teams are true celebrations of the city first. They're not about themselves. And really, really early, we were about more football. We, we threw watch parties for El Clasico and teams don't usually throw watch parties for other matches. That was not in the common vernacular, but we wanted to just be about more football and being about more football means being about more football culture, which means being more about LA and the people of LA. So if we keep the city first and we become a, a force for good in the city as a community beyond what happens on the pitch, and then we went on the pitch, too. I think we have that interesting opportunity right in front of us to 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 achieve what the Lakers and the Dodgers have here in L.A.
0: When you mention those two teams, too, Rich, I mean, obviously their results on the field or on the court in the case of the Lakers is also a huge boost. And that's been the case for LAFC, too, right? I mean, the first season yep. you come out, surprise so many people, set some records for expansion clubs in the league. Yes, you bowed a little bit early in the postseason, which we were all – bummed about. But now, as you just mentioned a minute ago, the team has improved. The team is even better than it was last year. And now it's going after a new set of goals, a new set of MLS history. So the on-field results work hand in hand with what you're doing off the field in terms of, of raising the culture, right? It's the old saying, a rising tide raises all boats.
2: Yeah, the, the your know, fans completely get what they're watching on the field. They completely get that you're buying young Uruguayan players for the future. They understand a Carlos Vela and why we signed him. It Those were not marketing moves. Those were not moves driven by an Instagram following. And, you know, I think that's the approach we've taken. So when the fans see what's happening on the field and the team that Bob and John have, have put together that is young and hungry and fire. And then that makes the stands even stronger because what they see is they really see a, a thread of integrity across the entire organization. So I think they completely both work hand in hand. Ideally you build a community that's bulletproof for wins and losses. That, that's all we can hope for. If you're, you know, my dad's a 30 year Raider fan. And they haven't won. I don't remember the last time they've won consistently, but that guy's, you know, in front of the couch on Sundays uh, watching his team. So ideally, we build a fan base that that is thicker than wins and losses. But when you see what's happening in the field and you you raise that supporter shield, hopefully soon. I mean, that's where the cement happens. And that also protects us uh, against the future. Tell me a little bit about uh, your game days, because I can only
0: imagine how hectic it is when not only are you kind of wanting to keep your eyes on what's happening on the field and, and, and you know, be a part of, of that part of the game, but obviously you got to be around, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies for a lot of the 90 minutes too, right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. Um... You know, we there's there's a crew of us who who work day and day with the North End of supporters. And, you know, we're in that northwest corner every match day. We we love to bring all of our partners, um, all of our grassroots partners, all of our sponsors. We like to bring everybody down to that corner to kind of feel the heartbeat of what's going on. We're not you know, we're not running all around the stadium um, shaking hands, so to speak, as much as we are inviting everybody to come to where the beat is. And and where the heat is and and see it and experience it. And then we can kind of tell the campfire story of what's happening in the North end with the nine groups and the flags and the culture. So we definitely try to stay, stay on the grass as much as possible to kind of share that with, uh, with the people who who have uh, believed in this early.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing. You introduced me, I think it was the beginning of last season. You introduced me to a couple of the different capos, the guys that lead the way during game days, uh, for the 3252, and in, in contrast to maybe what teams of the past have had, where their supporters groups almost have a rivalry with each other, I didn't detect that at all amongst the umbrella of the 3252, I detected more of a brotherhood with these supporter groups, agree?
2: Yeah, it t- it takes a lot of work, it's, it's, you know, if there's 10 of us in a room, you know, eventually one of us are going to go rogue, but if we hold each other accountable to committing to the center, which is the club, you know, the club first, you know, me, me, you Mark and Dan might not get along during the week, but when it's match day, like we're in there and we both have a flag and we're going for it. So I think it was just an intense commitment on, on, on the club first and putting the club first and hopefully all these normal everyday small beefs go aside. You know, we're not, we're not a perfect world by any means. But we have incredible leadership, led by our president Jimmy Lopez, our vice president Mo Fascio, and the rest of the supporter group leaders. Like these guys, hold each other accountable to club first. And if you don't have that core leadership, and you don't water them, and you don't find them, uh, and really hug them, it's not going to work. Because there's not an amount of operations staff or security staff that can handle a section like the like the north end or or a 22,000 person stadium with passionate fans. It's not, it's not possible. It has to be. Um, dealt with, it has to be a, a social thing. It has to be about the culture within, like, this is what we do when we're here and you have to check your neighbor. You know, this is what we do. This is not what we do when you're here. And it has to be the one by one, um, social pressure to keep, keep the heartbeat pumping
1: and keep it organized. Rich, how did, how did the, uh, honorary Falconeer come, come about?
2: That, that was fun. Uh, Tom loves, uh, Falcons. Tom Penn, our president loves yep. Falcons. Um, got introduced to, to uh, Ken, who's our, our Falconer and the headspace was just a celebration of flight and strength. We, we, we wanted to define it as a ritual. So we, we do not have a mascot. It's a ritual. And uh, Ken ended up training the Falcons and he said, Hey guys, I think we could do this during the match. And uh, he pulled it off. So we have our, our, it's kind of like our, our first pitch our ceremonial first pitch in baseball and we invite different guests every week to be our falconer whether it's a celebrity or or somebody from the community or a, a young fan uh, we we just mix it up but it's been kind of a fun pregame ritual for us i think i think it definitely sets the tone for the match especially when they
0: the camera goes tight after Ali has come swooping over Bank of California Stadium and he puts his talons right into the that, that that little, I'll call it a little pillow that he grabs and all of a sudden it has the the logo of the opposing team in there and the crowd goes into a frenzy. Uh, brilliant, brilliant marketing and branding right there. Uh, Rich Orozco, Executive Vice President, Brand and Community of LAFC, joining us here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. You can follow him on Instagram at, at LAFC, Rich. Rich, of course, we talk about both the Galaxy and LAFC here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. So we got to get a couple of thoughts along the lines of that rivalry and what your experience has been in it so far. And when is LAFC? When are we going to finally take them down,
2: Rich? It's coming. It's, coming. it's <laughs>
0: Let's
2: put it this way: it, It's going it, to come in the playoffs. It if it's going to come this year. Yeah, it will happen. Um, you know, our our perspective monster respect for the galaxy and the organization of what they've created in la you know in from the uh, mid 90s from from day one so much respect there what our approach to the rivalry again we felt it in the streets right away so we knew we were going to be a formidable force on day one Uh, i don't think they knew that right away, or they were definitely not wanting to acknowledge that. And their language to us was basically to prove it, you know, prove, prove yourselves, prove yourselves of a rivalry, which is fair. Uh, Now, you know, for us, it's, it's really hot on the ground there. You know, when you have a passionate football community in LA, you know, we're all speaking to the same community, you know, their fans are not different than our fans when it comes to football culture and, and their passion. So when you have that, you know it's definitely hot in the ground but we the approach we try to take as a club is we want to make this rivalry as positive as possible. We want this rivalry to put LA on the global stage of derbies around the world. That's our intent. So we want to water and to highlight the the positive of this. For example, you know what we say is I'd love to have, you know, beers with you outside, but inside it's going to be fire in the stadium so we want to keep the purity of the rivalry inside the stadium but we want to create an environment where we can have beers outside and not let it get hotter than that so that's what you'll see from our social media tone from our creative tone from our um even when we tease the matches we want to keep it on the positive side because we know it's hot in the ground and you know we don't need to poke the bear because it's already hot and and we want to be responsible for keeping it uh, elevated. And I think
0: it's so important because there there are bad apples in every bunch, right? But sometimes it does get fired over that. It does cross that line outside. But I thought it was great the last this last time that they met at Bank of California Stadium because after the game, I went into uh, the fields after. And there were galaxy fans and
2: laFC fans together lifting a couple of pints. Yes, and I, I would say it's a careful coordination. Uh, nobody's living in la-la land. So, yeah, hopefully they're buddies or cousins, and there's some layers of accountability. Um, You know, after a match may not be the best time to hang out together, but at least during that week, let's go have lunch,
1: and uh, we can talk smack to each other. Well, that's typically what our podcast looks like week in, week out. (laughs) Richie, yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's hot. (laughs) Hey, Dan, I I actually had a question for you, Dan, you know, with your your history in the
2: league. When you saw – and When you walked into our stadium for the first time, describe what you felt um, with your history in the league. Like, what did you see from our environment?
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was really blown away. And my first, actually, the first game I went to, I called for Fox um, last season, and it was in uh, June. So it was still pretty early in your guys's uh, campaign, and and kind of figuring out who you were, what you were about. Knew you had a good team. And the I would say that it, what's I, I took my I had to take my dad there because my dad went to almost every Chivas USA game that I played in at the uh, StubHub Center, and so he his experience was so dramatically different than what LAFC is, and I was like, man, yeah. you just got to come to one of these games, and so I walked him down yeah. to that that fan zone that you you just explained on the field. And uh, he was he was in in disbelief and in awe. Um, It's unique to the league. Um, It's it has some some intimacy comparable to the Portland Timbers, um, but it's Mm -hmm. different. It is it is it is dramatically different Uh, when the when the fan uh, section gets bumping and they're and they're uh, shuffling back and forth together. The one game that comes to mind was the rain delay game. Or the lightning delay game. Oh, wow! And and the they, new one? yeah, they just continued to support um, what wasn't happening on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I as a as a as a player, I mean, you have to remember I was a, a part of this league when uh, Real Salt Lake was was playing on turf and uh, Rice wow. Eccles, at Rice Eccles Stadium. Um, and we had, you know, I was, I was a part of Chivas USA LA galaxy rivalry in which we were, uh, a better team than the galaxy early in my early days at the club. And we were competing for playoff spots. Um, and that's when the rivalry was, it was at its peak. But when, you know, thinking back to Ibra Ibrahimović's debut, um, at, at, StubHub Center at the time against LAFC and to have it be that dramatic, um, I, Mm -hmm. I agree. I actually agree with your statement that this could be a rivalry that is recognized on the on the global stage.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Mark, what was your first take when you walked in? Uh, I could not believe it. I just could not,
0: as I've called it before many times on the air, you know, I I call it the the crown jewel of major league soccer. When you look at Bank of California stadium and even taking it even a step further back before I even saw a match there, you know, when I first met you rich and got, and had the chance to meet with Tom Penn and discussing my role as part of the club's broadcast, you know, I got to do that hard hat, Uh, Tour before it was all dirt There was no grass on the field You know, some of the suites weren't finished The press box wasn't finished But to come around and walk through it all right there And see the inner workings Of of the field club downstairs And what it all was looking like And then to actually see it come to fruition You know, that is a magical moment No question, you know
2: Yeah, I believe And I think you guys would agree we, We have the best live sports experience In L.A., And I believe we have one of the top live sports experiences in the United States. And I'm I'm saying that now because I've heard it so much, whether you're an English expat in L.A. who says, this reminds me of home. If you're South American, if you're Mexican, if you're the American NFL fan who's never been on a football journey, the fire in our stadium is is a combo of the avid football fans. And then you got those right down the middle, World Cup. I have a Brazil jersey in my closet. And then you have the brand new fans who are on their first journey with supporter culture and, you know, having their kids sing the chance with them in their seats. And what you also feel, I believe is all of us in the stadium, we want everybody to feel a responsibility to bring it. When you go to Borussia Dortmund in Germany, it doesn't matter what seat you're in. Like you're a part of that black and yellow movement in Germany. Like you're there and you're, you need to be a part of it. And that's what the yellow wall pulls out of you. So, I want to acknowledge, you know, all of our fans, you know, the 32-52 leaders, the 32-52 members um, and all of our season ticket members, because we, we're all bringing it together. We're making it an inviting place. We're high fiving each other all over the place. People are hugging for Jump for LA Football Club with strangers and jumping around. So hopefully that continues and that, that's the future we would all love to see. So so Dan, you can bring your dad over and over, and uh, we can just have a blast together.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's 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 definitely definitely a good time. And Rogues and I uh, opened this podcast with the conversation of it just kind of feels like LAFC are going to have to get through the galaxy uh, if they want to go win an MLS Cup. And and I, I hope uh, for not just for LA soccer fans or sports fans, but I hope for the league that um, the, these two teams. T- collide this offseason and make for, for a great story. If the casual fans love it. A few of us on the inside get a little, uh,
2: we'll get nuts for that one but i get it <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not as much fun for a few of us to have to clean up the floors afterwards that's right <laughs> that's, that's right.
0: right rich we appreciate you taking a little bit of time with us here on believe and uh, i know the fans enjoyed hearing some of the inside into the culture and, and and your role with with what has been one of the best stories in mls over the last couple of seasons uh so we'll have you back on again soon and of course i'll see you saturday out at the bank great thanks guys dan look forward to seeing you too yeah rich thank you i'll see you guys No question, Danny. Excellent insight into how the foundation was built for LAFC. Huge thanks to Rich Roscoe for hopping on with us here. Uh, we could probably go in a whole another hour with him with some of the stories <laughs> that he could tell us from
1: behind from behind the scenes. Well, and you know, this this actually is a great moment to reflect on how much this league has grown. I mean, Rich is coming from a background in the uh, in the movie entertainment, entertainment industry. Not necessarily a direct fit into sports, though he's had experience with boxing, um, but he is a producer. He is a marketer, and what a capture for LAFC and the branding that they've, they've done. Um, he, he has been uh, a little bit of gasoline on this fire that they have, they have uh, cooking so far. Uh, we didn't get a pick from him,
0: but you will get picks from Dan Kennedy and myself as we uh, turn to the wagering segment here on the Belief Sports Podcast Network, of course, presented by mybookie.ag. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with these guys if they weren't the best in the business. So do the smart thing. And if you're going to bet football, you're going to bet MLS, go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code GALAXY, and they'll put some money right back into your account when you make that first deposit. Uh, GALAXY at home against – how ironic is this? Both LA teams hosting Canadian teams uh, here in week week 29 of Major League Soccer. So it's going to be the GALAXY at home to Montreal. Give me who you got, a score prediction, and maybe one
1: key facet of that. Actually, you know what? I'm I'm going to take the next step here. And uh, say Galaxy two nothing shut out, Get the defensive right. Get the defensive side of things right. Um, it just feels like Will's are in motion here. I, I, two weeks ago, I was concerned about this team making the playoffs. Um, it, that was a huge test that they uh, fought off against Sporting Kansas City. I think they take down Montreal. Jonah Dos Santos is the one pulling the strings. It's the most important player.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I have it written down on my predictions here. It's actually a three-nothing win for the Galaxy. Remember, folks, we give extra points in Dan and my season-long uh count here for the for our picks for getting the score exactly correct. I think Montreal fell on their face flat as I picked them to win last week against Cincinnati. They did not, they lost, further hindering their playoff chances. Now they got to travel here to Southern California. And take on a Galaxy team. I agree. Who I think they found something in that seven-two uh, drubbing of Sporting Kansas City. So I have it three nothing. How about LAFC and Toronto FC, yeah. which also includes DK, also includes Laurent Simon, the first ever captain for LAFC, and the and, and
1: scored the first ever goal at Bank of California Stadium, coming back with the Reds. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get a great reception. Uh, it's just kind of funny how things shake out, you know, Simon. Tries to power play LAFC. They they have no problem letting him go. Um, and now his time back overseas wasn't what he wanted it to be. And he's back in Major League Soccer. He's an amazing player, amazing passer of the ball. Um, I actually think that this LAFC team might be better suited without him now. Mm. Uh, they, I think defensively they're actually stronger without him. Uh, he's not the best man-on-man uh, defensive marker I, I've seen in the game, but he is sweet on the ball. Uh, yep. Also, Michael Bradley coming into town. Um, I always think that's probably pretty special for Michael and Bob to play against each other, uh, and and I'm sure you'll get your, your best out of Michael. I just don't think it'll be enough. LAFC back home, full-strength side. I am expecting 3-1 winners. God, are you sure you don't have that camera in here? I mean... <laughs> I actually
0: have it very similar but I have it as a 3-2 win for LAFC. I think mm, remember they've they've game. gone they've gone four matches without a win. They've tied three of those four but still they've gone four matches now without a win, the longest streak by far this entire season. So yes, back at the bank number 1. But number 2 Uh, Both of these teams have some holes defensively, Toronto Mm -hmm. FC and LAFC, but they also have a ton of firepower when it comes to going forward. You mentioned Michael Bradley. He pulls a lot of the strings, but it's Josie Altador, Pozuelo up top for Toronto FC. Those players know how to put the ball in the back of the net. And then with Vela back, what looks to be 100% fit in in my eyes, I think him, Rossi, you mix in a little bit of Brian Rodriguez. There you go. uh, and, and I think that's the mix of a game that has four, if not five, goals in it. So I'm going to say 3 2 LAFC. Uh, On to the wild card picks. You know, you close the gap, of digits. So uh, the gap is nine points heading into the final, uh, we'll call it five weeks of the regular season in Major League Soccer. So you're going to you're gonna
1: you're gonna have to let me double or nothing some of these bets.
0: Okay. You, you want, starting next, here it is, folks. Starting next week,
1: the wild card pick counts for two. There you go. I like okay.
0: that. But I like not that. Actually, week. tricky. Not, no, this not,
1: not this week. No, we got to be able to prep for so, so who do you, who do you yeah, have it, for the it, wild this card? This is actually a, a tricky wild card week for me, but uh, I'm going to go with Old Faithful, even though I don't typically like picking. <laughs> I, I don't like typically picking home team losers, but I'm, I'm going to pick Atlanta over Cincinnati tonight, Wednesday. Midweek, the mid-week game. Midweek game. And I think it's going to be a thrashing, like four, four, nothing. Okay. Okay. So I got to mark
0: this down. ATL four, Cincy nothing. The only thing that would concern me about that, Atlanta by even losing this past weekend, still locked up a spot in the postseason, right? So the top three teams, as we've discussed in the East, are pretty much there. They've separated themselves from the pack. Philadelphia, Atlanta, and why am I forgetting the the other team? Philadelphia, Atlanta, from the East, NYCFC. NYC. Yeah. Well, how am I forgetting NYCFC? Ian Joy would kill me right now. Uh, <laughs> yes. The top team, by the way. Um, so the only thing that concerns me is, is you know, how how motivated are they? they? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So 4-0 for Atlanta United in this midweek affair. I'm actually going to go with two playoff teams, but one that I think is better suited at home than the other. And I'm going to take Portland with a 2-1 win at home on the weekend against Minnesota United. Portland Portland missed out on a chance to really secure some points, uh, the own goal, and losing at home against D.C. United on the weekend. Great result for D.C. United, but I thought that Portland, with these home games, know they have to take care of business, and they're just too talented of a team to lose two weeks in a row at home uh, inside Providence Park. So I got Portland, the Timbers, with a 2-1 win against Minnesota United coming up on the weekend.
1: That there's a trap game, folks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that old phrase always seems to rear its head here on the uh, <laughs> Believe Sports Podcast Network with Dan Kennedy and Mark Rogandino. Uh, by the way, buddy, uh, I will be out Saturday for that game on YouTube TV. So for those that have an opportunity, Ooh. click on click on to your library on YouTube TV, add a bunch of LAFC content, and then check in for the pregame show starting at 7 p.m. We have Daniel Slayton from Fox's World Cup coverage and patrols the sidelines for the San Jose earthquake stepping in as part of our broadcast along with myself Max Bredos and Javrina Catalina so uh, do, am I going to see you out there maybe Saturday or you, you, you tied up this weekend What's going no, on? No, we
1: tied up we got the in-laws coming in town Archer's got a big soccer game on Saturday. Um I'm not are I, good, yeah, aren't that's they? Right, that's right. Green monsters are looking great. I have <laughs> uh and then I have the uh, Galaxy game this Saturday in studio to cover the playing against Montreal. Kudos On to those Spectrum Sports Net. Kudos to those of you that
0: uh made it all the way through uh the entire was probably about an hour maybe an hour plus here uh, on this week's edition of LA Galaxy versus LAFC on believe a huge thanks to Richard Roscoe for stopping by always bringing some new and insightful content to the table for us here on believe. And uh, for Dan Kennedy, uh, Mark Rogandino, let's have a great weekend DK. We'll get back at it next week. All right. Love it, buddy. Love it.